This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our second reading is from Matthew 6. We're working through the, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're, at, we're in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 18, which includes the Lord's Prayer. So let's listen for God's word together. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms... Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentile, as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not bring us to the time of trial but rescue us from the evil one for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray together. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open up our eyes, open up our hearts this morning to receive your word to us. And may your word change us, comfort us, Challenge us, transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see if I can move this up a little bit. I don't know how many of you here have seen the Disney movie Inside Out. Has anybody seen Inside Out? And 
Full disclosure, I really did think of my sermon title before I thought about the connection to the movie. But maybe the title was lurking somewhere in my inner psyche. Um, but, but Inside Out, it's, it's actually this very thoughtful look at, um, at our inner lives. And in the story, the characters are emotions inside the main character, this little girl, inside her mind. Emotions like joy and sadness, fear, disgust, and anger. And how they kind of interact with each other as uh, this young girl, Riley, is uprooted from her home and taken to a new place to live. The movie, is a, it's a helpful look for both kids and adults into that complicated and very powerful inner life um, that all of us are navigating each day. We're not, and we're not just trying to navigate these desires and wants, but I think all of us were striving for, or at least wanting, some level of inner well-being some level of inner wholeness. The good life that Jesus invites us into in the Sermon on the Mount, it, it transforms our outer lives, as we've been talking a lot about, and it also transforms our inner lives, our hearts. The Christian view of the good life, it's, it's holistic. There's calling to promote peace and justice in the world. It, it speaks to our, our personal relationships with family, friend, and neighbor. And the good life that Jesus invites us into is also about our inner life. It's about our hearts. Prayer, prayer um, sorry. So the good life that Jesus invites us into, it's, it's, concerned, it's concerned with our, our hearts, our motives, our desires, our wants our longings. God wants to transform our inner lives, and at the very center of that process of inner transformation is prayer. Prayer is how the good life, God's good life, begins to work itself in to the nooks and crannies of our hearts. Prayer is how God's good life begins to take shape inside of us, in our hearts. And we're going to look at three aspects of prayer. First, just the importance of the inner life as disciples of Jesus. And then we're going to look at how prayer is both an invitation by God and it's an action that we live out. It's both an invitation and it's an action. So first, this, the importance of this inner life as disciples of Jesus. The good life that Jesus describes here, it's about, it's about people whose outward lives are consistent with their inner lives. It's very simply, it's being people of integrity, integral, connected, integrated. We're called to live integrated lives. Lives where what you see on the outside is, is what you get on the inside. What you see is what you get. And the opposite of this uh, connected, integrated life, it's a, it's a fragmented, it's a divided life where what you see is not what you necessarily get. Because Jesus starts off by using negative examples to help us see what this integrated life looks like. 
he, 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 he focuses on these characters who live fragmented and divided lives between their inner and outer selves. In this passage, uh, in, at the beginning of chapter 6, what Jesus does is he, he goes through these three very common practices about uh, what it meant at that time to show personal devotion to God. Charity or almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Then he goes on to describe how many of the religious leaders, they were performing these practices, but very publicly and very frequently. Not because they loved God, but because they were addicted to the attention and the status that these very visible practices gave them. As Jesus said, they were hypocrites. The very old Greek word which was used for actors, people play acting, who were using masks to cover over their true identity. I think we can connect with this in some ways because we live in a very image-saturated and image-obsessed time where our, our public lives and the personas that we craft for ourselves are increasingly online through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, YouTube and TikTok. I'm starting to learn a little bit about TikTok, so don't ask me any questions about it, though. But in all of these platforms, we're, we're often displaying a persona that's very different from who we know we are on the inside. The religious leaders that Jesus describes, they're trying to appear spiritual, trying to appear good. They're trying to appear ethical on the outside. But on the inside, what does Jesus tell us? They are, they're self-obsessed, they're self-absorbed, they're using others, they're even using God to gain the attention and the status and the power that they crave. And the reality is I think many of us can identify with these sort of fragmented and broken lives where our inner selves are very different from the outer self that we put before others. So how do we move from these fragmented lives where we sort of use our external selves to compensate for our inner brokenness? How do we move from fragmented and broken lives to integrated and whole lives? Lives being changed from the inside out. At the heart of Jesus' answer to this question is prayer. It's prayer. Inner well-being as disciples of Jesus is centered in our life of prayer. Lots of Bible scholars who have studied this passage and uh, actually the whole Sermon on the Mount, they, show, they, they argue that the Lord's Prayer is at the very center of the Sermon on the Mount. If the Sermon on the Mount were a trail up and down a peak, the, the, the Lord's Prayer, it would be at the very summit of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to talk about the practice of prayer, how we live that out, but before we talk about the practice, prayer as an action. We have to remember that Christian prayer at the very beginning is an invitation into a relationship that Jesus the Son already shares with the Father. 
prayer, it's an invitation into this relationship that already exists. It's being invited into this uh, loving dialogue between father and son. If you look at Galatians 6, where Paul is talking about us being adopted into the family of God, Paul says, and because you are children, children of God, because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The, the picture here is that Jesus is praying through us to God. Hebrews 7 talks about Jesus, that Jesus is always interceding for us before the Father. Jesus is praying uh, for us to God. Jesus is praying through us. He is praying for us to the Father. Being saved as Christians, it's not just about um, being saved from sin, like, a, like an adopted child who might be removed from a broken home. It's also about being saved into a relationship, into a new family, a relationship that already exists between the Father and the Son. And this son-to-father relationship, it's meant to transcend any sort of, um, it's meant to transcend any abusive or manipulative relationship we've had with a father or male authority figure in our life. And, and we see in Jesus' radical critiques of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, uh, Jesus' relationship to the Father, it's actually meant to kind of break up corrupt patriarchal systems in this world. So our invitation into this loving, intimate relationship between son and father is, is really, at, at the best, it's this picture of adoption into this loving, intimate relationship. It reminds me of a movie we watched as a family called Safety. Um, it's based on a true story about a young football player at Clemson University, Ray Mickle-Rathby, who on top of playing Division I football and keeping up his academics, is raising his 11-year-old brother. He's raising his 11-year-old brother who's been um, in and out of foster parents because of their mother who suffers with drug addiction. Ray, the older brother, basically smuggles Thamar, his younger brother, to live with him and hides him in his college dorm. But over time, Ray's teammates and friends and coaches, they begin to embrace the young Thamar and take him into their relationships. And eventually, while uh, Ray, the older brother, is still in college, he takes over as legal guardian of Thamar. And what we see over time is this hardened, um, tough 11-year-old boy. We see him soften and mature as he's brought into this web of supported, supportive, compassionate relationships with coaches and friends and family, caring relationships that his older brother Ray brought him into. Prayer is about Jesus bringing us, inviting us into this loving relationship that he has with the Father, this intimate, supportive relationship. Our prayers are, are wrapped up in the prayers of Jesus. Whether, whether we're beginning our journey of faith for the very first time, or whether we've been walking with Jesus for decades and decades. So don't worry in prayer about where you're starting from. It's like, it's like being invited to play in an orchestra and we're the, I don't know, the third string clarinet or maybe we're just the little triangle playing along. 
but we're, we're, our music, our prayers are brought up into this beautiful symphony, this song of love that God, the Father, and Jesus are sharing with one another. That's what's happening when we pray. Whether we're just starting out or whether we've been praying to God for years and years. And little by little, we become in tune with the relationship that Jesus and the Father share with one another. We become like Jesus. In our self-absorbed hearts, they're slowly turning outward in love to God and to others. So cultivating the good life, it's attending to this inner life, is focused and centered in prayer. And prayer is entering into this relationship that Jesus already shares with the Father. And so what are some practical steps of how we begin to walk in this life of prayer with Jesus and with the Father? If, uh, if any of you were with us for Alpha, there was a session on prayer. And you might remember this sort of, I don't know if it was surprising, but this young, hip, Benedictine Italian monk who they were asking some questions about his, his prayer life and his advice on prayer. Um, and his advice was, it was very practical and very memorable. You might remember what he said about prayer if you watched that video. He said, keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it going. Keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it going. Keep it simple, he said. Start with one sentence. He said, start with one sentence, or maybe just five minutes of prayer, or 10, or 20, or 30. But keep it simple. The Lord's Prayer, if you read it, it's very short. It's surprisingly short. It's packed with meaning, but it's short. It's simple. What does Jesus say? Don't go on, don't go babbling on like the Gentiles who basically repeated phrases over and over and over and over again. The idea is that God heard you the first time. God heard you the first time. He loves you. He heard you. Start with a sentence. Start with find five minutes. Find a quiet place. Five minutes. Keep it simple. Keep it honest. Keep it honest. Prayer is not a show. Keep it honest. This monk, when he was talking about keeping it honest, had a really helpful way of entering into prayer. I don't know about you, but when I sit down to, to pray, what happens first is all these thoughts start rushing into my head because it's the first quiet moment I've had. Things I didn't even know I was thinking about. And this monk said that he uses how he is feeling as fuel to deeper prayer. He said he would start with, if, if he's frustrated, he would say, God, I'm frustrated. Or God, I'm tired. Or God, I'm angry. And as we enter in through where we're at, we begin to unpack where we're at, and then you begin to appeal to God's holiness to bring transformation into that broken situation. Then you begin to pray for the individuals in that situation. Then maybe you might begin to see how your own sin and brokenness is wrapped up in that situation as well. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And by being honest before God, we're taken up into the fullness that is the Lord's Prayer, which stretches from God's transcendent holiness uh, to our personal relationships, to our daily needs. And it can all start with keeping it honest in prayer. 
So keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it going. So keep it going. This is both having a consistent place of solitude where there's a, there's a rhythm of prayer, of quiet prayer in your life, um, but it's also about prayer throughout the day. Short, honest prayers. Lord, help me. As you're driving to work or walking up the stairs to your home office, walking the dog, taking the bus to school, when you feel that anger begin to well up, Lord, I'm angry. Please help me. As we keep it going, as we keep growing in prayer, our lives, little by little, again, they become more in tune with the loving, giving, serving relationship that Jesus shares with the Father. As the quote uh, at the very beginning of the bulletin by Rowan Williams says, prayer is the life of Jesus coming alive in you. Prayer. It's how we as disciples give attention to that life that's behind closed doors. It's letting God's good life penetrate into those deep, dark nooks and crannies that we all know we have. And then shaping how we live in the world with our neighbors, our friends, our family. And growing in this praying life, it takes intentionality and it takes time. I don't know how many of you have had the sense that I have had in the past few weeks and months as COVID restrictions start falling away, that life feels like it's speeding up some. I don't know if you felt that. Summer plans are being made. We're meeting a bit more people person to person. More sport events for kids and grandkids. More time spent in the car. Less unoccupied time. We're in this time of transition, which is both a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. We can let the busyness return and rule our lives again. Or we have some freedom to build in new rhythms and routines into our lives. And my encouragement to you and to me as I've been preparing for this sermon is to build in more rhythms of prayer. We've seen how work and school rhythms have been transformed by the pandemic and will never be the same again. Why can't our prayer life be transformed as well? Jesus is inviting you from wherever you're at into a deeper life-giving relationship that he shares with God the Father and that he wants for you to have as well. We're going we're gonna to move into a time of responding to God's word, and we're, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And as we pray, I want you to be aware of the fact that we're not praying alone. We're entering into the prayer that Jesus is praying to the Father. So let's join in prayer and pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.